Hello and welcome to Bang Up Jobs with Broadway Ergonomics, a podcast hosted by me, Adam Jennings. And me, Eric Schultz. We're physical therapists and professional ergonomists. In each episode, we interview experts, assess the real value of ergonomic tools and products, and hopefully provide a little know-how along the way. In today's episode, implementing a workplace stretching program. Well, hey, Eric, how's it going? Hey, it's going well. How about yourself, Adam? I can't complain. We're finally getting into what looks like the uh, tail end of COVID, so I'm pretty happy that we're moving a little bit more smoothly into summer. Yeah, don't speak too soon on that. You never know what will happen. But <laughs> after we took a nice long a little hiatus from from some of our recording, tried to schedule, and our, our schedules just never seem to line up, you know, yeah, but that's well, okay. It happens. It happens. It does. It does. Have some exciting stuff in the works, though. Hopefully, we get back to some monthly uh, recording for our listeners. We have a couple product reviews coming up yeah. along with a, a guest interview in the, the coming episode, so I'm real excited about that. Um, and a few notes that, that might help us in some of our coming episodes. We really kind of want to open it up for anyone that is listening for just kind of a special mailbag episode or a mailbag segment. So email us at bangupjobs at broadwayergo.com. Uh, Ask anything you'd like. It can be on the topic of ergonomics, industrial safety, physical therapy, or even some personal questions about Adam and myself if you're so inclined to learn more about us. So please ask, and we'll include that in an upcoming episode. Um, And with that, Adam, what else have you been up to? What's new? Yeah, I've been working on a little project with uh, you, Eric, that you you know about that uh, might be coming down the pipeline in the coming months for some of our clients. Uh, beyond, uh, the, the work side though, man, we just went to Florida actually now that, uh, you know, vaccinations are a little bit more, uh, widespread. And now that, uh, you know, Lauren and I are fully vaccinated, uh, we went down with the family to stay on the beach down in Destin and had a fantastic time. Got to uh, go on a little dolphin cruise, uh, spent every night, uh, looking out on the beach at the water. It was pretty much the best vacation we've been on. So. And it really makes you miss sweet home Missouri, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, traffic's a lot better here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And plus, Destin's only about a two-hour flight, so it's really easy. Oh, so you guys flew down. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's and, awesome, uh, yeah. And we actually felt very safe. We managed to – we flew southwest, and even though they don't have um, a space in the middle aisles right now, uh, we flew with our family unit, with our little group. We were able to just occupy the rows and felt pretty good about it, so – yeah, that's awesome. I just flew Southwest a couple times, one to Nashville for a, a client visit. We did an on-day ergonomic software blitz. And then just last week, I was down in Dallas, uh, closer to Mesquite, Texas, where we did oh, a full high uh, kind of high-performance team training. Um, we got them up and running on running assessments, looking at solutions, kind of going into a direct cause analysis. And I flew Southwest on those too, and it worked out great. It was very comfortable, very safe. Awesome. Obviously, I had my mask on and was vaccinated, but it was nice to get out and do some more traveling and consulting like I'm used to in the past. Uh, you know, last year was quite a, a burden on, on a lot of those opportunities for on-site services, but it was nice to get back and, and do some of that. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting managing everything this year. We've been you know adjusting to changing guidelines from the CDC and trying to keep in line with all of the the, the state and city and county regulations as they uh, uh, tend to wax and wane uh, over these months and this year. But it's uh, it's looking up, and it seems like we're going to be like you said, knock on wood. <laughs> but it seems like we're going to be uh, hopefully into a more or less normal state before too much longer here. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd made my uh, head coaching debut as a softball coach. Oh, recently. shoot. That's right. How'd that go? 
Uh, it went. I didn't bean any kids, which is good because it is coach pitch, and there's there's a lot of pressure when you're potentially going to strike out your own uh, players. And we've had a couple. <laughs> we had a couple coaches that, you know, they lost a little bit of their proprioception during uh, the pitching, and it gets in their mind, and all of a sudden oh, you start clunking girls in the the chest. <laughs> but there's a reason they wear helmets with uh, face masks and gear. But it's going well. Sophie's enjoying it, and. You know, she's taken to it pretty well. So getting back into organized sports for the kids is very important for their social growth. And we enjoy it, too, as parents, seeing them get out there and kind of challenge themselves, get out of their normal comfort boundaries uh, and really try to flourish as a kid. Yeah, well, I bet your background in PT helps you to, you know, to provide some pointers about good motion. And actually, speaking of which, you're working on uh, some motion analysis stuff with Broadway Ergo, aren't you? Well, so it's not Broadway or it's not Broadway's motion analysis. We're actually uh, teaming up and kind of working with a software company called Kinetica Labs. Shout out to the Kinetica Labs folks listening. Uh, we've been using their software more and more, uh, excuse me, more and more, and we're really engaging it and using some ergonomic assessments, um, cycle counting, and so forth. And it's also a really cool tool to show to our clients when we do an ergonomic assessment of the postures, you know. What this motion analysis gives us is a red, yellow, green based on uh, the deviation from kind of normal. And so when clients and engineers can see that firsthand, it really is kind of an eye-opening push for, hey, we need to come up with a solution. We need a different table or a different work height. So it's been really cool. Well, you know, that's a pretty good transition into uh, today's topic. Uh, we were going to talk a little bit to you all about workplace stretching. You know, we want to stress that uh, workplace stretching programs or stretch and flex programs, they've been part of the industry and offices for years and years and years. The thought is to make sure that employees are physically ready to work, that they're able to do so without uh, entering the workplace and increasing their risk for injury. However, uh, the claim that it will reduce the risk of injury is a tricky topic. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that specifically as we go along. And so the foundation of a effective stretching program really is to kind of promote a healthy and ready workforce uh, for different jobs, tasks, physical demands that are needed to be performed. Uh, so here's some facts about benefits of stretching in general. You know, stretching reduces fatigue. You know, there's an increase in blood supply to the area being stretched, and that helps to replenish the needed nutrients, the oxygen to the muscles and tissues. Uh, it increases your flexibility by uh, improving your range of motion for specific joints and muscles, and it also increases your posture and helps you to uh, get to the point where you're able to stand a little bit uh, straighter, stand in a more neutral position without overly fatiguing any muscle group. And it can also help reduce stress, which, hey, when we're all working from home or working remotely or back in the office, you know, stress is going to really kind of um, come back into your picture right now. Definitely. Now, there are a few different kinds of stretching. Eric, can you elaborate on those for us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, typically, when we're looking at st stretching options, there's a dynamic stretch and a static stretch. And there is a difference, and it's important to know the two. So dynamic stretching is really kind of a controlled series of movements, typically through a series of range of motions. And the intended purpose is to kind of prepare the muscle or the other soft tissue for whatever upcoming activity is about to be done. This is done, again, like I said, with increasing movement, getting blood flow to the muscles, kind of increasing the temperature. Uh, think of it as getting the athlete ready for work, or the way we perceive it is getting the industrial athlete ready for their job. So some real basic, easy examples of these are high knee marching in place. Uh, torso twists kind of back and forth or the shoulder circles where you rotate them forward uh, five or ten times and then rotate them back. These are not static, which Adam is going to cover here in a minute, where they're being held for a certain period of time, but they're more designed to be moved in place and engage blood flow and really prepare the body for a certain task or activity. 
In contrast, uh, static stretching involves moving the joint and muscle to the end range of its available motion and then holding it. So think of the classic hamstring stretch, you know, the one where you're sitting in gym class, you've got your leg propped out in front of you and your coach is standing in front of you telling you to go reach your toes, reach your toes, reach your toes, and you bend forward until you feel that stretch. Uh, here, you would typically hold it for at least 15 to 30 seconds in order to attain a more structural uh, improvement in the length of that specific tissue. And I love how you said in gym class, because I still cannot touch <laughs> the board when <laughs> when my PE instructor would tell me to bend forward. I can never touch it. Never can. That never trauma. Nah, never will. <laughs> I have one here in the clinic, and I can test myself on it right now and send you a picture. It's pretty poor. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, in the past, you know, those type of static stretches were all that was generally included in industrial stretching programs. However, recently there's more and more of a trend and a push towards incorporating these dynamic warm-up stretching programs, especially in the populations that need it, being it the warehouses, the material handling groups, or any job or task that has high physical demands tied to it, such as lifting, pushing, pulling, or heavy tool usage. So really nowadays it's kind of better to have a combination of both. That's typically how I drive my um, industrial stretching programs. And we also try to tailor it for a real specific group. Isn't that how you do it too, Adam? Yeah, definitely. So we try to, uh, uh, whenever we go into an industrial space, we identify the kind of activities that they're performing most regularly. For example, the uh, I had a patient just this morning who has some pretty uh, stereotypical patterns that she engages in day in, day out with the activities that she does. And so that those specific groups of muscles involved in that task tend to be overworked. So a lot of what we do with her is just trying to uh, to provide some a better baseline foundation of uh, extensibility and strength uh, when performing those tasks. Yeah. And you can incorporate that if you can identify, just as Adam was saying, that a certain job classification, say material handler or a warehouse labor, something along those lines, they undergo a different set of physical demands. You can set up your stretching program to basically counter what they do. So if they lift heavy material with the front of their shoulder, you're going to, in a way, counter it by stretching backwards or posterior, opening up those large muscle groups that are performing those higher level type functions. And then in contrast, you can do the exact same for smaller, rep repetitive, fine motor tasks. So think of something light assembly or small parts. Um, they're doing some kind of small circuit board assembly. You're going to have a lot more static positions of the upper body. Um, of the head and neck and of the spine and a lot of really tiny fine motor of the hands. So that's where we counter it with a lot of hand exercise, fine motor stretching and postural training because they're in those static positions for, uh, for so long. And that's what we want to do is we want to counter that and prepare the body uh, for their daily tasks. Really what you're trying to do uh, is get them ready for their shift, right? You're trying to make sure that at the very beginning of the day, uh, or beginning of the night, depending on what shift you're talking about, uh, the workforce is prepared to engage in all of the various tasks, especially those uh, high force, those repetitive motion, those awkward posture uh, uh, tasks that uh, are going to be taxing those muscle groups. You know, in addition to uh, making sure that your warm up stretching program is appropriate for the group who's going to be engaging in it, it's just as important to make sure that they're uh, uh, performing those stretches with good posture. You know, we're we're making sure that they're counting out loud and they're getting every single second uh, that they need to in order to uh, 
hit that true tissue extensibility. And a stretching with a group, that's another important thing, making sure that there's, uh, insofar as it's possible, at least a little bit of community engagement in that. Uh, we note that uh, uh, patients, I'm sorry, employees who perform the stretching tasks tend to be much uh, better adherent to them when they're performing them all together as a unit. One final point, uh, making sure that you are uh, uh, providing education to whether it be the, the team at large, if you are leading them in this, or to whoever the uh, team lead will be, uh, who will be leading the, the rest of the workforce in these stretches, making sure that uh, you're communicating that overstretching is a potential risk and it's something that we need to avoid. So uh, we respect any discomfort, any pain the individual might be feeling. We don't want to push past the pain threshold. We want to hit the point at which we feel stretch. And I like to say moving about 10 to 15 degrees past that initial stretch point is about as far as you want to go. We don't want to uh, have all of these attempts at preventative maintenance stretches result in you know a worse outcome than we would have had regardless. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely have to respect the pain. And that also brings us to another really good point, which I wasn't necessarily expecting we would go into, is everyone is different too. So if you give stretch A to your entire workforce, there's going to be a handful of people that have difficulty with it. Maybe they have a, a personal history of knee issues and they can no longer do a quad stretch. So having some kind of adaptation is key in allowing some kind of flexibility, no pun intended, you know, with the program is helpful. And that's also where, you know, another um, opportunity to have a healthcare professional come on site and teach your employees how to stretch, how to stretch appropriately, stretch with them so that they understand you know, the basics of the stretching and what they're supposed to be feeling are all real uh, beneficial to your to your workforce. Now, Eric, real quick, you mentioned earlier that we would discuss in a little bit more detail uh, the notion that workplace stretching programs can reduce the risk of injury. Actually, no, I said that. You did. <laughs> I said yes, that, but I know we plan to talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah, so yeah. I think you brought a little bit of research to the table. You brought your receipts. Can you dive into that? Yeah, of course. So this is a pretty highly debated topic amongst um, in industrial professionals. And there has been some research. I'm not going to bore you with a ton. You can get on PubMed, Google Scholarly, and, and read all kinds of reviews, um, meta-analysis, and... Um, clinical trials on it. But I just pulled through a couple quick and easy ones. Uh, so some research comparing pre-exercise stretching and injury risk. So I'm not even considering work. I'm more just considering before we go out and do something exertional, is there a benefit to pre-work stretching and what does it do to the injury risk? Uh, there's a series of studies. I think it was three clinical trials suggested that pre-exercise stretching does not reduce the risk of injury. It was performed by Professor Rob Herbert with the Neuroscience Research of Australia. Uh, three randomized tr clinical trials on the effects of stretching. And in those three studies, they concluded that stretching had little or no beneficial effect on injury risk. To counter that in a, in a little bit, there's a review article by Gassibot et al. titled Stretching Exercise to Prevent Work-Related MSDs. And they concluded that even though the majority of the literature that they reviewed might not fully explain that stretching at work prevents any work-related musculoskeletal disorders, there are some studies that have shown performing different stretching exercises at work can contribute to reducing discomforts and pains along with increased range of motion. You know, that kind of sounds some of those facts that we knew about stretching. Um, but some clinical trials and construction workers that participated in a stretching 
Stretching Exercise Program reported significant positive effects, including a reduction in pains and disability and some increases in their muscle flexibility and endurance. So kind of between those two conclusions, we kind of find ourselves struggling. Well, does it do any good? It sounds like it does some good. How much good? We really don't know. Um, so we kind of tend to struggle to, to think about it in that manner. Uh, but in my opinion, and what most of the, the experts kind of conclude is we need to look at stretching programs in the workplace as a helpful tool, but it should not be slowly relied on as a full injury prevention method. We cannot just use it to fill the gap between the workers and any ergonomic risk factors that they have. Do you agree with that, Adam? Yeah, well, I'm actually, uh, while you were blabbering on there, I... <laughs> Well, thanks. Now I know how you feel about what I do. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, So while you were uh, reviewing that, I actually looked up the Herbert article in PubMed, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, They performed a meta-analysis, or not a meta-analysis, but a review of 12 or 13 individual studies to incorporate into a larger analysis. Uh, Most of them were on the small side, which is where they note they range between 10 and 30 participants. Uh, One had... um, the vast majority of participants there. And I would have to dive into that study itself in order to look at the research methods and how they collected their sample. Uh, But that had over 2,000. What I will note here is that only two of those studies and not the one that that had the large number of participants tightly controlled uh, settings. So they were were performed primarily out in uh, in the field. You know, take that one with a grain of salt, I think. Then this, of course, is the one saying that uh, stretching might not have uh, a large beneficial effect. But I've also heard that, you know, I've I've been, I've I've certainly read my fair share of uh, research back in my grad school days about the dubious beneficial effects of stretching prior to exercise. I haven't seen anything about about work specifically, but I know that at least from an emotional standpoint, people sim- seem to uh, engage a little bit more, uh, a little bit better uh, in their their workday when they have that as part of their regular routine. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. There were there are hundreds of articles that we can pull out. The reason I chose some of these were because they kind of show a little bit of conflicting. You know, one doesn't help, or there the one shows that there is some. You can paint it however you want to, just about with the research. Most of the real good meta-analysis and other studies, at the end, they say further investigation is, is warranted yeah. and needed. <laughs> and you're kind of yeah. like, well, here we are again. Yeah, same here spot. we are again. And it's one yeah. of those real tough um, you know, metrics to, to kind of gather because there's so many variables at play, especially in a, in a work setting. Uh, to piggyback on, on kind of one thing that you had mentioned there, I do believe, and I'd have to go dive back in and find it, but they did a study on static stretching and power output in Olympic athletes. Oh, interesting. And what they've, they've found was that there was a reduction. I can't remember the percentage off the top of my head. I'll have to dive in and, and find it again. But they found that there was actually a reduction in available strength after static stretching. Mm-hmm. Now, the thought you could take and conclude from that is, well, we better not have our material handlers and our any anybody performing heavy lifting tasks do any right. kind of static stretching. You know, that's the far extreme of, of taking that data or that conclusion. And I disagree with that to some degree. We're not having, you know, Olympic level caliber lifting type tasks. We're not right. stretching beyond normalcy and it's in a small sample size. So that's why we kind of go with the combination of it. And it's also not just to prepare the body. Well, we also try to incorporate and teach our employees how to use them as micro breaks where they might stop, stretch, uh, give a postural relief, or even towards the end of the day to kind of help get that circulation, get that oxygen in, and kind of get some of the lactic acid and soreness that they might have kind of built up over the day. So there's a lot of benefits, a lot of different ways you can use it. In fact, most stretching programs that I, I do training on and I implement either through 
PowerPoint or video type on-site um, you know, methods, we usually give two or three different options for each group. There's a full one, then a micro, and then there's usually just a dynamic so that the employees and the operators, the people that are actually performing those tasks, they can really kind of modify what they need um, you know, from a stretching outlook to what's going to be beneficial for them. Yeah. And I would also say this is getting a little further afield than, than our usual target audience is probably interested in hearing. But if you are uh, reading any of the research and using that uh, in any capacity to inform work practices, I would caution against looking at a single study and using that, just like you said a minute ago, Eric, I would caution against using any single study as a justification for changing up how you uh, uh, organize uh, your workplace or how you uh, how you implement any of these uh, workplace safety tips that we're talking about here. The role of the ergonomist, the reason that I think we bring value uh, to a company is that we do the work of sifting through all of these kinds of things and uh, keeping up with with the research um, and uh, then deliver the results of all that reading to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And back to the stretching, you know, it, it, it does have a valuable piece to it because some of the research there did suggest improved pain, improved endurance and flexibility, which are facts. We do understand that about stretching. So we can incorporate that for our employees, but you just have to really understand that it is not a single avenue of reducing injuries through stretching. Okay. That's the biggest, um, biggest issue. And when I've had a couple companies reach out to me and say, Hey, can we launch a stretching program? I say, absolutely. I would love to do that. Tell me about your other safety programs. How are you reducing injuries? Do you have ergonomics on site? Do you have an early healthcare practitioner or early intervention in place? And if they say no, I try to do my best and educate them. Well, here's the the research on stretching. Is it going to be completely effective? Likely not. You know, you can't just go out and do some calisthenics and all your injury risk is gone. But it, it has to be part of kind of a sound ergonomics program in place that really helps to push the uh, solutions between the mismatch of the operator and the task. So you need to have that early intervention or that early medical management in place along with sound, effective ergonomics. Okay. I have a new segment idea for you. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. Okay. I'm going to... Uh, uh... You're going to surprise me with this one, aren't you? Yep. So that's the segment. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to surprise you with an ergonomic topic. I need a name for the segment yet. Uh, uh, shoot, it'll come to me later. I'm going to surprise okay. you with uh, a, a some kind of ergonomic topic or something that's relevant to either the industrial or the office setting. And then you're going to reach into that deep, deep pool of ergonomics knowledge you've gotten there <laughs> <laughs> on top of those burly shoulders. What is, the pool might be a little shallow these days, but I'll do my best. Okay, okay. So uh, you've got – we're going to give you a hypothetical. All right, you've okay. got yep. a, uh, an employee – you are walking in between, let's say, your car and back to the manufacturing section. And in order to get there, you had to walk through the uh, the office. An office worker is flagging you down and saying, hey, I've got this pain in my wrist. And my doctor told me it's because I use this stress ball. What do you do? <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> do stress ball balls cause carpal tunnel syndrome? Do they uh, help to alleviate stress with carpal tunnel syndrome? Would you tell people not to use stress ball balls or are they, are they more benign? Um, gosh, well, that's a tough one. Um, when it, whenever you're dealing with somebody who has consulted their doctor or their physician and their physician tells them something, they're kind of jaded at the start almost. You know, They feel sure. that, okay, this has to be true. Um, to answer your question, 
I would probably do my best to lightly tread around that topic of, <laughs> well, here is – your suggestion was the stress ball is causing carpal tunnel. Is that – was that the – Oh, no. It's not my suggestion. I'm saying that the doctor has suggested that. No, that was the, the your hypothetical situation? Yep. So what I would do is educate the employee on, well, these are the risk factors for carpal tunnel. And I would outline those with them. And we would basically do a comparison check of, do you have any of these? Are you at risk for any of these type of carpal tunnel syndrome type symptoms or risk factors? And then we would actually go into and looking at kind of a, not a necessarily a physical assessment, but let's actually talk about her, her or his signs and symptoms. Does it actually present as carpal tunnel? Could it be something else? Uh, not that we would necessarily make a diagnosis, but we're pretty keen on some of the differential diagnosis when it comes to carpal tunnel. And then to answer the the question that was originally proposed, could the stress ball be causing me carpal tunnel? Well, if you're doing it 24 hours a day without any kind of rest or break, <laughs> sure, potentially. <laughs> but I would want to yeah. contribute and, and see what el- what else could be contributing to it. Um, and if it is a problem, if they do it too often, certainly stopping and giving it a trial of rest might be beneficial. We'll know more in one to two weeks with appropriate rest. But I wouldn't just jump right in and say, yeah, you're probably right. That's uh, that's what's causing carpal tunnel. Um, I don't think there's any research on working with a stress ball that would, would suggest that. However, common sense might kick in at some point and say, well, if you do extreme stress gripping for certain amount of reps per hour per day, certainly you're going to overuse those tissues in such a, a commonly injured type area. Okay, I've got a name for the segment. What's your name? I'm going to call it tripping hazard. I'm going to try to trip you up with <laughs> Tripping hazard. Oh, that's, that was tough. <laughs> I've been thinking of it the whole time. I didn't listen to a thing you said. That's fine. I don't think. But I'm sure it was a great answer. I don't think I listened to what I said either. I just kind of blacked <laughs> out. You, you really threw me for a trip there. That was fun. Yeah, perfect. All right. So do you want to land the plane? I do. Do you have anything else you want to talk about with stretching? Um, for stretching, no, you know, the best thing to do is consult with a health healthcare practitioner. You know, the commercial, I think it's a Geico commercial and the guy's getting a tattoo and he's like, stay in your lane, bro. Have you ever heard yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, try to do that. Don't just, if you're a safety professional and you have no experience with the stretching program or you're an engineer and you don't understand anatomy and, and some of the uh, aspects that a physical therapist or an occupational therapist, athletic trainer, physician would consult with someone nearby holler out, reach out to us. We'd be happy to help you. In fact, we do develop custom stretching programs. So if any listener here would like a a demonstration or um, kind of a flyer on some of that, we'd be happy to give you uh, kind of a draft. You can take a look at it. We can do custom ones on PowerPoint, do custom ones on video programs, put different music to it, different audio. So, uh, you know, consult out with an an expert, you know, stay in your lane when it comes to uh, your specialty, really. And Adam, it's been a while. Uh, but I got one for you. Oh, shoot. I have one for you. Or you go first and we'll see which is better. All right. All right. <clears throat> what do mermaids wash their fins with? Wash their fins with. Oh, what? What is it? Tide. <laughs> okay. That's pretty good. Yeah, I thought so. All right. Here. Try mine. Try mine. I think mine's better. Uh, why do melons have weddings? <laughs> why? Because the cantaloupe. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's such a produce joke. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot for listening. We will get back to you in one month when we are going to talk about what, Eric? Uh, We're going to have a guest interview, a product review, and hopefully some mailbag questions to to answer. So please reach out to us, um, inquire about some, and we'll be happy to answer them for you. Yeah, and what's that address, Eric? Bangupjobs at broadwayergo.com. Awesome. Thanks a lot, gang. We'll talk to you next month. Thank you. Stay safe. You can head to broadwayergonomics.com to check out more information about our business and our tips for working safely from home or at the office. 
I want to thank Blue Dot Sessions for the use of our theme music, Highway 430. If you have questions about ergonomics or anything else that you'd like us to answer on the air, shoot us a line at bangupjobs at broadwayergo.com or tweet at broadwayergo.